0: The year is 1984 and Norway sent two confident girls to Luxembourg who tells the media that their song is the best composition ever and will easily push heres down in their golden shoes. Well, that didn't happen and the result was nothing else than miga for the Norwegian duo. What have happened since then and how many tries have Dolly Deluxe done to reach Eurovision Song Contest? Well, that and much more I hope to reveal today when I, Emil Lovström, have invited the beauty Benedikte Adrian with the powerful opera voice to Eurovision Legends. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Benedikte Adrian.
1: Thanks a lot, thank you. What a wonderful start of the program. (laughs) (laughs) I sound so cocky. (laughs) Yeah, of course we wanted to win. Everybody wants to win. It's a competition, right?
0: Yeah. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Yes, thank you.
0: Do you remember how you first came in contact with Eurovision Song Contest?
1: I remember being 10 years of age, standing in front of the television and watching ABBA sing Waterloo. One of the biggest days in my life. (laughs) (laughs) A huge dream was born. Yes, that was amazing.
0: Have you been an ABBA fan since?
1: Oh yes, completely ABBA fan since. I did actually see it before that, but that was a kind of a changing point.
0: You and Ingrid started to sing and play together when you were 12. Yes. And when you were 16 years old, you released your first album.
1: Yeah, that's correct. We were next door neighbors, Ingrid, Bjornov and I. And um, we went to the same school. And then I moved uh, to another area where our mothers had to keep us in contact. Because at my school, a mother, the mother of Ingrid was working. And, uh, and my mother was a dentist at the school where Ingrid was still going. So we had to write little messages, give it to our mothers, and then we kept in contact just because we had something in common. We liked uh, not to play with dolls. That was boring. We liked to do other kind of things, uh, especially music, it turned yeah. out. So uh, she would come to my place and stay over uh, Friday night. We would then watch television, which at that time, it ended at at 11 o'clock in the evening there was no more television to watch so you had to do something else. So we would play organ and piano until two and three in the morning. Uh, I don't know how the neighbors coped. They were so nice. So this was our uh, great passion and hobby and of course we dreamt of uh, one day participating in the Eurovision Song Contest. In
0: 1981 The two of you took part in the national pre-selection in Norway with the song
2: 1984.
1: the book or it's in the film 1984 it's nope. george orville oh you should okay oh, I, oh yes it predicts a future where you're being seen by cameras everywhere and the state knows exactly what you're doing and uh it's quite terrifying uh and and, and we're starting to move in that direction completely now <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so the,
1: it was a warning yeah but it's very strange that we did we did um, that song uh, called 1984 and it turned out that it wasn't as you probably know in 1984 that we uh, actually had the Norwegian flag on our chest as we say.
0: Exactly mm. and I wonder was this the first time you submitted a song to the national pre-selection?
1: Um, yes it was mm. yeah.
0: You performed the song under the name Dolly uh, mm. you later changed it to Dolly Deluxe why mm. did you change it?
2: <laughs> to
0: win the Eurovision,
1: <laughs> I guess, <laughs> which we never did. Um, well, we won the Which one. Uh, we had a manager, and for one whole day, he kept saying, oh, but that's great, that's really Deluxe. And then finally I said, haven't you noticed that I've said Deluxe so many times today? And we said, oh, maybe you have. Yeah, that's because I think you should change your names and put Deluxe behind it to sort of show your audience that you're going for a, a bigger audience
2: yeah.
1: Okay, so we did. <laughs> I mean, the name Dolly was just for fun anyway, because yeah. our names were Ingrid and Benedicta, and we thought that that sounded like two girls with a piano and guitar singing acoustic. And we wanted to, well, to be more like Abba, Kate Bush, Beatles. so uh, So we wanted to have a name that was more artistic. And now we added Deluxe to it, and it was kind of just to show that We are here for fun, we are here to entertain. So um, yeah, we'll leave that for quite some years afterwards.
0: You came in sixth with uh, 1984 and Finn Kalvik won. Mm -hmm. I wonder here, in retrospect, do you think your song would have ended up better than a last place with zero points?
1: No, you know, in those days, Norway did not do very well in Eurovision. That was, I mean, I loved Finn Kalvik's song. It was produced by Benny Anderson, and uh, the girls who are were singing, so I just loved that song. Isn't very happy when he got zero points, but I, I thought he should just be proud of what he did because I still love this song. Strange things happens in Eurovision, that's why it's so fun to watch. Uh, it's very seldom that it's the song that I like the best that actually wins, um, and even the year that we participated, I thought that Italy had the best song.
2: <laughs> yeah, and
1: and and we do we did like her race and. Uh, and their song too. But they, I remember Ray saying to us, we believe that you're going to win. But it's all about also um, if you manage to reach your public. And in those days, in the, in the 80s, early 80s, uh, you were not allowed to sing in another language. You had to, So we had to sing in Norwegian. And, uh, but we managed to go to seven different countries and try and make some publicity around ourselves before the final. And that was the countries that gave us the most of the votes. So it's more turned into a business now where people are allowed to uh, publish their, their work a uh, long way ahead of the, the grand finale, uh, the big competition, because it's, it's business also. It's uh, reaching your public.
0: Yeah. The year after, in 1982, you took part again in the pre-election. Hmm... Vi hade sagt det är er det jag ska ha.
1: Ja, ja, <laughs> ja, jag av den. Den de var faktiskt väldigt mycket bättre i den demon som vi hade för som hette Butterfly Fly. Den var väldigt fin, men när vi lagde den med norsk text så var det att den, den aldrig blev så så väldigt bra. <laughs> Do
0: you still uh, have that demo?
1: No, I don't think so. Or maybe. Maybe after I
2: we will find some something somewhere. <laughs>
0: Came 10 out of 10 with far less points than the other one.
1: Yep, so, uh, <laughs> the, so the year after we didn't uh, try it again.
0: <laughs> no, because I want here, hear, the year after you didn't take part in the national no. pre-selection? No. And you didn't submit any songs at all?
1: No. Another I project. saw
0: a Norwegian interview yesterday on YouTube and they said that you were not friends at all in 1983.
1: Oh, oh really?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's not right. That's not right. But we've had periods where uh, where we wondered. I mean, I know that Ingrid found it in some periods very frustrating to sit with the piano and do playback. You know, there, it was very usual to do playback on television. Yeah. And if you're the singer, it doesn't bother you that that much because you're up front and you have all the close-ups and. You you feel you're performing anyway, you're doing your stuff. But for Ingrid, sitting by the piano, and often they wouldn't even put a... It was just there with no wire, no nothing, and no sound. So it felt completely stupid to sit there and play on these plastics and, and, and not doing your thing. So yeah. she was very frustrated, but decided in 84 that she would give it a go again anyway. But we've always been friends, even though we've been sometimes... Uh, irritating each other like all friends do. Yeah. In
0: 1984 you were back in the national pre-selection with the song Länge leve livet."
2: Yeah. Ja.
0: It's the only song you submitted this year.
1: I know what you want. Oh, you've read your story very well. Because we actually, um, we were on Swedish television also with a song called um, Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah. And we did present it. Oh, you really, you know, your, you know our history because very few people know this. We actually had a meeting in Luxembourg with the producer there. Because we knew that in Luxembourg and in Switzerland, um, they didn't have a competition like in all the other countries. It was the producer that decided which song was going to represent their country. So we knew that we could maybe represent uh, uh, Luxembourg and doing Wanted There Alive. And we thought that that was a really good song. We felt the disadvantage of having to sing in Norwegian was so... It was so hard to ever dream about winning the revision because nobody liked our language. That was the, the feeling we had at that time. Uh, and so we did have a meeting with the producer, and he said, Well, we've just decided to go for another song with another young girl. You should have come a little bit earlier. She's good I'm so glad we didn't <laughs> we didn't sing for Luxembourg no 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 uh, yes so happily we didn't do that
0: <laughs> And for those who wonder how wanted sound, I will play it here.
1: Yes, it is very ABBA, so we loved it. <laughs> we, loved, we loved the way we, it was recorded. And we'd worked in Stockholm with a very good Swedish musician, Kjellelövbom. I
2: know him. He was,
0: produce, him. Mm, he him. was producing
1: he, things yes. for
0: us. Mm. Yeah, he, he was in Europe. And mm. Um, mm. I, know, I know him because I cut his uh, wife's hair. <laughs> oh! No, that,
1: Oh, really?
0: The world is so small.
1: But anyway, I'm so glad that we didn't do something as stupid as to represent another country because uh, we are Norwegians and we should do it for Norway. (laughs) But we wanted to win for Norway.
0: What do you remember from the national final at Chateau Neuf in Oslo?
1: I remember thinking, we did it. I wasn't sure that I was ever going to win this thing. It was like... Uh, Going to a fun fair and you have the biggest bear and it's pink and it's for you and you won it in a lottery. Yes It felt strange when a dream comes true. It's a very strange feeling (laughs) Because this was our dream.
0: You won with two points over Beate Jacobsen and her song Strand Hotel
1: That's the way it is in this competition. I mean, even ABBA, I don't think, won with very many points. Exactly. So, so yeah. Mm. As long as you win, you win.
0: <laughs> I have read that you said to the med- media that you definitely had the best song in Luxembourg and easily would beat Therese from Sweden. Can you <sighs> elaborate this?
1: Oh, my God. Well, okay. Um I think we were really told, uh, if I can remember it right, that our,
0: our producer
1: and manager said, we must stop coming from Norway and saying, excuse us, we're no good. Uh, all the others are so much better. Because like he says, people will always find something wrong about you and what you're doing. So you should not help them to find those things. Uh, and he said, it's much better to come and be confident. And then maybe people can even think uh, the thought that maybe you're good because uh, because he, he felt that no, especially Norwegian artists were too uh, well had a lack of self self confidence. So, um, but I'm, I'm, it makes me laugh now because uh, okay, I still think that Italy had the best song that year. <laughs> I still do do our songs sometimes, uh, Länge Leve Liva. so uh, I'm, I think we did something credible and something within our style uh, which rep- represented us and that we can live well with that later,
0: yeah. which is good. So you went, you, you went to Luxembourg to win?
1: Of course we went to win, everybody did, uh, except that in Norway at that time it was, it was the most important thing was to do better than Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and sweden won
2: <laughs> so
1: we didn't even manage to do better than sweden no this was lousy results but the song is still uh uh quite good i think i think it's one of our best songs
0: you had some epic dance moves that looked like telemark skiing
1: <laughs> yeah yes we never agreed exactly on how those moves should be so if you Look carefully, we're not doing it exactly the same either. <laughs> uh, we spent money on the costumes that year, but not on a choreographer. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> And we also remember some red strings in your hair and a kind of Japanese style of your clothes.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. We were so fascinated by Japan. And we'd been to Japan in 82 to release an album. We released two albums there. Anyway, it was kind of fashion also at that, uh, that time with uh, other, other bands also. Like the song Bigge, Big in Japan was very big in
0: Europe. And those red strings in your hair were later changed to pearls, I noticed when I watched some later performances. And for those who haven't seen this, would it be correct to describe you as the love child between Marie Antoinette and Nina Hagen?
1: Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, that big, correct. That's beautiful. Mm. And I thought I was going to wear the, these uh, things, fillet, as we call it, traces, laces in our head. Uh, we thought we were going to wear that forever. Yeah. I really, really believed that I was going to, to use that forever. But um, no, it was quite hard to sleep on them and you had to take them out and put <laughs> them in. And uh, it was work, but it was worth it. It was worth it. It looked fabulous.
0: <laughs> did you do it by yourself or did you have any any, any stylists? Oh, we
1: did most things ourselves, so we yeah. did it ourselves, yeah.
0: What are your memories from Luxembourg?
1: I don't remember that much from Luxembourg. I remember we had lots of interviews every day and and that was very useful because then we could reach our, our audience in different countries uh, and the, those were the ones that voted for us. <laughs> It was hard work. Uh, I remember also being extremely nervous going on stage and kind of having this out-of-your-body experience almost because it's very intense. Um, I remember we were fighting trying to get more close-ups because it's very uh, important to have close-ups in this show. If you are filmed from a far distance, you look small and people don't get to see your expressions, your facial expressions so we could see that this was a fight with the producer to try and get them interested in in your act and and have them get you the close-ups. Uh, I remember that Denmark had a no yeah, no no
0: no no not that long they had uh, <gasps>
1: Okay. Okay. No, I'm.
0: Um, Can okay, you I for me was in uh, '85? No, how
1: strange my memory is. <laughs> um, oh, I remember. Yes, I remember. I count on you. I lean you. That was the Netherlands, very beautiful girl with lots of close-ups and a beautiful song. <laughs> and even though the language was quite something you could not understand, you could understand Ik hou van jou, or something like that, which means I love you. Yeah. That was really, that was great. That was a great song also. And of course I remember her race. They were so sweet. And I still know how to move my arms like them. <laughs> uh, because Richard told me, I mean, we were hanging out a little bit with them because they were they were so nice. So uh, that was, uh, of course, it, it won because it was a good song. It was it made you happy. It's a little bit in a blur, really, because you're, you're so focused on your song.
0: Funny you say this, because I talked to Kit Rolf from Bell and the Devotions. Mm. She, mm. And she told me exactly the same. It was a blur.
1: Mm. You're so nervous and you're so hardworking all the time trying to yeah, reach your audience. So um, y- you cannot sit back and just watch. The show yeah uh, and you're always wondering i mean i remember now the three english girls and i was thinking i'm so impressed because they managed not to smile for the week on end and uh, I, I i was wondering if that was more cool maybe the audience would find that more cool to be to be like that Well, we were not like we were not like that <laughs> uh and you're also wondering uh, when you see all all the um, costumes, uh, I mean, it, it is a competition and you really want to be at your best. So, But you have to concentrate on just being you and doing your thing so that you can live with that afterwards, yeah. no matter the results. And that was what we did. And it served us quite well. But later, it it, it has been a positive thing and also a negative thing sometimes this uh, Eurovision thing it's uh, it, it can be a little bit of a curse afterwards but I'm now I'm very happy that it's it's a positive thing to do it now even Andrew Lloyd Webber did it some yeah. years uh,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: that because uh, it was a period in our life when, when that kind of uh, did not do uh, do some good work for us when we wanted to kind of work with what you call more serious music yeah when we were writing a musical and producing it in london and uh, that was that was not something you would easily talk about then and say that yeah we even did the eurovision oh no 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 that's not good
0: Luxembourg had big problems this year with hotel rooms for all visitors and delegations, and the Grand Theatre of Luxembourg had only 950 seats, so the press had to watch Mm. the competition from their hotel rooms, if they had (sighs) any. I want to hear, did you have any problems with hotel rooms or did you feel, let's go to Luxembourg and do some camping?
1: (laughs) I've never done camping in my whole life. (laughs) Uh, You know, we did get our rooms, I remember that, but I also remember that uh, the theatre was kind of cold. Yeah. It wasn't wild as it is now. It's kind of remembering it in uh, black and white and not in colour. Now it's really more colourful.
0: So, okay. I, yeah,
1: I do remember it uh, kind of strict. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sweden won, as we said, have said so many times now, with mm-hmm. the three brothers yeah. uh, in golden shoes. Yeah. And Norway only ended up in 17th place out of 19 participants.
1: Yes, it was really bad as usual, just uh, up until that point, yeah. So, uh, yes, what can one say? It's a competition. You just do your best and uh, (laughs) I don't know. I I I just don't think we could have done it differently. I think we did it the way we should anyway.
0: You and Ingrid continued your duo after this meager result with more album releases and achieved very good critic and sales both in Norway and abroad. Uh, Later on, you put up a musical called Witch Witch and during that time, you were both praised and criticized for your music.
1: Yeah, we were even banned at the Protestant TV station in the Netherlands because we were mixing Mozart and classical music with rock. And and uh, some people found, found that very offensive.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: we said after the Eurovision, we said, no, let's do something else now. Let's not try to be popular. Uh, let's try just to do fun stuff that we want to do. Um, we will start with opera and rock. And we said that kind of as a joke, but also thinking that, hmm, that'll be interesting. Because i had taken singing lessons from the age of 15, uh, and that was for classical singing. So I was singing the Queen of the Nights aria at the press conference in Luxembourg also. And we saw that if we wanted the press uh, attention, uh, it was better for us to do that than anything else that we could do. So we were having a lot, lots of fun doing a project that we called Rock versus Opera, where Ingrid were making the, the arrangements. And uh, with my singing teacher, we were finding lots of nice classical material, which sounds kind of like pop music to our ears still today. I think it's nice music for people who think they maybe don't like classical music. And if they listen to Rock versus Opera, they they may decide
2: otherwise afterwards.
1: the Witch Witch in uh, London, that was uh, something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we tried to, we wanted to also there mix uh, opera singing with uh, wild electrical guitars and, uh, and to kind of make rock, really rock and opera meet. But this time it was our own music, our own songs. It's been quite a journey.
0: You have released eight Full-length albums together. Do you have any favorite songs from them?
1: Um, oh, uh, it depends on my mood. Well, if you want to play something from which, which, which kind of shows um, the style, uh, then eternally is a good song.
0: Yeah, uh, that's my favorite. Hmm. Good.
2: So Shall remain before the triple gold is free. I bind your shadow unto me, maiden, my head can Dawn and moon and night, I see you're always bound to me, and you are my eternity.
0: In my opinion, it sounds very much like a mix between the Swedish group One More Time and the musical Chess.
1: Oh yeah, but we love Chess also. We went to uh, London to see it. and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were certainly uh, made of that kind of stuff. It's, that's how we've learned to, to write music. That's for listening. Listening to these uh, great musicians mm, like Bjorn and Benjen. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> Does Dolly Deluxe still exist?
1: Dolly Deluxe was never dead. <laughs> Uh, we never split up the group but we still did it without saying it so much so uh, Ingrid and I we are still very good friends and we're working each on our thing I think maybe one day we will do something together again but that day is not yet come we haven't decided when or what we're going to do but so for now she's um, Dolly Deluxe is sleeping I think. Like tone Rose, like uh, in the fairy tales, sleeping for 100 years, maybe a little bit less than 100 years.
0: <laughs> Have you submitted any more songs to the national pre-selection since 1984?
1: <laughs> I hoped you were not going to ask. <laughs> yes, there are some secrets around there. Hmm.
0: <laughs> okay. Mm. Yes, we keep them in here then. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing today, Benedicta?
1: Well, today I'm working on a new project with um, 10 new songs. Uh, I write uh, both uh, the songs and the lyrics. So I'm fighting a little bit with uh, the last lyrics now because I'm writing in Norwegian. And I want to present it with a cello and a piano. And I want it to have a sound a little bit like old Beatles songs uh, versus uh, Sigri, if you know the Norwegian artist Sigrid.
2: Yes. When I don't know what to say, To
1: you. She's fantastic. So I'm trying to find this kind of a little bit new sound of kind of pop music, um, not opera this time at all. So I'm trying also to break a little bit new ground if possible, find ways to combine classical way of thinking with pop music.
0: I'm looking forward to hearing about this.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Before we end this conversation, I have to mention a Swedish friend of mine who was 10 years old in 1984 and was so upset when he won, so he started to cry. He later joined your fan club and wants to send his good wishes to you. Are you
1: kidding? How sweet! Oh yes! (laughs) Wonderful! What's this guy's name?
0: His name is Roger Lundgren and he is working as a royal expert in Sweden with the royal family.
1: Wow, tell him I want to come and sing for the royal family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. We love touring in Sweden also. Uh, Oh, but that's wonderful to hear. Wonderful to hear. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you so much, Benedicta, for this. It's been a delight.
1: Thank you. Delight is for me. Thank you. I thank you.
0: And also thanks to you, all listeners out there. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, consider subscribing to Eurovision Legends on any of the podcast platforms, spreading the word to your friends and perhaps writing a review. You can contact me with suggestions, questions, opinions or whatever you feel like by emailing me at at emil.slagervandena.se or through our social media on Instagram and Facebook. Have a nice time and you'll hear from me again soon with a new legend from the world of Eurovision Stor klem da Benedikte.
1: Å ah, tusen takk. Stor klem tilbake.
0: Ha det morsomt ut på tur.
1: Åh, oh, oh, så so bra du pratar norska. Det var det var jävligt bra faktiskt. Ja, tack så du ha. <laughs>